Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Time Lords podcast. We go beyond the buzzwords to learn exactly how people are building the industrial internet of things and using time series data to transform their business. I'm your host, Lonnie Bowling. Today, I'm joined by guest Zev Arnold, who's a senior manager at Accenture. And I'm super, super excited to have Zev on today. I've been um, uh, a friend and colleague of his for many, many years, and we've always had some great discussions. So I'm hoping this will this will be an exciting one. Uh, hi, Zev. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Lonnie. All right. So for our listeners that don't know you, could you share a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Uh, so my name is Zev Arnold. I uh, I live here in New Orleans with my wife and kids, um, where we love it very much. Uh, less so this time of year. Uh, professionally, I'm, I work in Accenture as our North America Pi capability lead. Uh, I've worked with the OSISoft Pi system for years and years and years. Um, and uh, it, different clients, different industries, using it to help our clients get value in a number of different ways. Um, so it's a topic I'm, I'm really interested in. Uh, I've always been a little passionate about operational data, operational connectivity, operational mm-hmm. analytics. Uh, it's a great area to work in, and it's a really exciting area right now, I think. So that's that's who I am and what I do. I have to say that while I work for Accenture, nothing I say here is reflective of Accenture. Right. The, these are all my personal <laughs> views. Um, and so I'll just get that disclaimer out of the way. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So strictly, strictly uh, Zev's opinions and uh, not, not Accenture. So don't go telling everybody Accenture said something. No, absolutely not. <laughs> okay. That's, that's awesome. Thank you. And thanks again for uh, being willing to come on to the show. Uh, so we were talking a little bit about, uh, about some stuff before uh, before we started the recording. And um, so the big news that happened last week, there was a the Bloomberg article that uh, you saw, I saw it. It's, it's, it's about OSIsoft potentially being sold um, to uh, SoftBank, who is a, a VC uh, business. They, they invested a minority stake in OSIsoft a couple of years back and now they're looking to sell that stake. And uh, there's, there's two potential customers listed in this article. There's uh, Snyder and uh, Emerson. And there is a, uh, there, there's a desire from these companies to buy all of OSIsoft, not just uh, SoftBank's stake, but also Pat Kennedy, who is a founder and CEO of, uh, or, uh, yeah, I don't think he's a CEO now. Anyway, of OSIsoft. So, um, so we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, OSIsoft has been uh, has been uh, people have tried to buy OSIsoft over the years. This is not really something new. Uh, the numbers are kind of startling, though. They're talking about four billion dollars. It was a current offer, and I think this is going to be. We'll probably know early July if the deal is going to happen or not. Uh, normally, Pat Kennedy has has declined to sell the company. He's always wanted to keep it uh, by itself. So so. So you know, I wanted to I, I wanted to get your thoughts on that, Zev. Like, what do, what do you think? You know, first, do you think do you, do you have a uh, if you're gonna put if you're gonna put a if you're gonna bet on this, would you bet that they sell or they, they don't sell? And um, and why would you why would you think that? Yeah, that's a tough question. So I <laughs> I try not to try and predict the future. Um, I find that I'm always wrong on that. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I never really thought data science was going to be much of a thing. I remember I was telling uh, John Peterson once, you know, when he was uh, spinning off to go start Seek, 
Uh, I mentioned to John Peterson, I was like, you know, I just don't think this data science thing is applicable for operational technology where we work. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. And he was like, it's applicable to everything and it's going to be everything. Uh, and Seek has done amazingly well. It's an, um, yeah. it's an outstanding product. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so anyway, so that's my track record on recommendations. <laughs> I haven't quite gone out on a limb and said, you'll never more than need more than 64 K RAM. So I guess I'm out ahead of Bill Gates, but that's, <laughs> that's the best I can say. Um, so it's really interesting. You know, one of the things we've always struggled with those of us who work in the pie space is explaining exactly what it is we do. It's, you know, I, it goes back to my introduction when I came on the program, right? I introduced myself as our Pi capability lead within Accenture. It's because it's really hard to explain what it is we do with the Pi system without talking about Pi. Right. And it speaks to the niche that they've created in the, in the market. So they're really, really widespread, especially if we look at the beginning of the supply chain. We look at our resources clients. Uh, and then uh, some batch manufacturing, right? Continuous mm -hmm. and batch processes in particular, they're, they're just everywhere, right? Everybody uses them to some degree or another. Um, and they don't have a whole lot of competitors. So I'll, I'll say that and people will jump on me and they'll say, well, there's a lot of other historians out there. There's IP21 and PhD and there's Data Park, I, a number of different things. Right. Yes, right? But they don't have the capability for managing the data and doing analytics and serving up fit for purpose data sets in the way that Pi does. Um, and then people will hear me say analytics and well, there's lots of great analytical tools out there, right? There's Spark. What do you need Pi for when you got Spark? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's always been a struggle to define the space. I think the most interesting thing about watching how this acquisition plays out is that it will inform us as to how people with lots of money view the space. Um, you know, depending on who buys them, it could shift the direction of Pi into what it is in, in very different directions, right? We could right. see it. A lot of people were speculating about Microsoft perhaps purchasing them. That would shift them into much more of a, you know, part of the Microsoft ecosystem, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe they would have a role in the Azure digital twin product, or maybe they would replace TSI. Um, but if a company like Emerson or Schneider buys them, maybe they become an embedded system. Maybe they become part of the equipment that gets sold. And they are a way that Emerson and Schneider move into an as-a-service model for, for their products. It's just, it's, it's really interesting. And so I think as we watch this play out and we see who the bidders are on it, the, the most important thing for us to pay attention to is what it means about what Pi does and what is valuable about Pi to the market. And hopefully that'll help the rest of us explain what it is we do for a living, because I, I think we've all struggled with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you bring up some good, you bring up some really good points. I, when I saw this article, I kind of really started thinking about some of the things you're talking about, you know, like, well, what is Pi and how does Pi fit in the world? Um, you know, because it is, it is a, they do have a unique space, and this is something that you know I, I think I mentioned in a in a in a post to Time Lords on our Time Lords community. I posted something about them being kind of like a unicorn, and and you know if there is a, if there is a unicorn type of situation, it is OSI Soft, right? Because they have um, there's historians which are uh, your classic historians, and there's a lot of them, and they've been around and and they've tried to compete with OSI Soft, but it's always been a historian has always been associated with the with with a vendor. So like Snyder has their historian, you know, Emerson has theirs, Rockwell has theirs, everybody has theirs. Some of them actually use Pi embedded in as an historian. 
So, but that, but that really isn't what Pi is. Pi is at an enterprise level. So it's, you know, and it was the first product to do this where they, they, uh, they're focused on the one, that one problem. And that's, you know, how do we get uh, all this data that's on the plant floor and how do we get that out and into the hands of engineers and operations people and everybody within a, within a company? How do we move this data um, from that plant floor where everybody on the plant floor kind of has access to it and they're like, cool. But a lot of times they don't even have access to the history. They just have access to the real time information, what's in front of them as they're making things. So, so Pi kind of like really kind of uh, took hold Right, and that's how it, it became kind of like the really the um, you know the choice if you're if you're serious about this and you're at an enterprise and you're going to spread and you're going to do a big system. Pi was pretty much like the only real contender. Uh, you know, if, if you're going to spend spend the money, it's ex it was expensive. It still is expensive. So, but you know, the landscape's changed a little bit. You know, now there's. Uh, there's the cloud and this uh, companies wanted to use the cloud and all these types of things. And so they're, so Pi is viewed, um, it still, it still provides that. I haven't seen anything else, right, that provides that, but, but at the same time, I, I feel like there's companies now that are kind of like, well, yeah, but we want to be in the cloud and we want to have like a, I heard one, one of my um, customers talk about a cloud first. That's like their, they're basically their mindset. Um, and so, so then it's like, okay, where, where is OSIsoft going to fit into that at this point? And if you're going to do, if you're going to move forward, you know, where, where do you go? And so this acquisition, potential acquisition kind of like, um, makes me wonder about, okay, what's the future of Pi going to look like, uh, as you know, if, if something like this were to happen or, or we're not going to happen, uh, you know, we have no control over what, whatever happens, happens, but, but, but we do have to kind of like think about, okay, um, what what is what what are, what are we gonna what what are customers gonna be doing down the road, right? Where how how do we get from where we are now to some kind of a cloud first type of thing? So, so a, a couple of things. I mean, the the history of OSIsoft that you just gave us, right? Of of how it embeds itself in its cus customers and what it does is very consistent with what I've seen as well. They get in with typically mid level management engineering. Um, somebody picks it up as a pet project, they start to build some really compelling and mission critical tools off of it. And it begins to spread through the organization from there until all of a sudden the IT department wakes up one day and they're like, what is this growing out of control of my organization? How do I get a hand around it? Mm -hmm. And then that leads to the enterprise agreement discussion. And, and I've seen that play out at multiple people over time. Right. Uh, enterprise agreement, of course, being the, you know, the, the real enterprise partnership with OSIsoft that a lot of their customers have, um, where it brings down the barriers around licensing and costs with a, an upfront commitment. Um, and that, that's kind of the progression I see, but that entry point is so interesting. As, as we're talking about what it is the Pi system is, um, and we talk about the, the observations, right? It, what it does, it, what it provides, it, it helps me to think about who OSIsoft is and what, and what they believe. And mm -hmm. if you start by talking about what they believe, you can then trace that back to a somewhat better definition of what it is that they do. And what they believe, and I, I've heard Pat Kennedy say this, it's one of the things he said that has stuck with me more than anything else I've ever heard him say. He said, we believe people with data can change their world. 
right? I think that was like Pi World theme. On, yeah. It might have been multiple years in a, in a row. I don't know yeah, if you, re- yeah, you recall him that, saying yeah. that. That was a right? good thing. <laughs> we believe people with data can change their world. Yeah. Now, that doesn't describe all of what OSIsoft does, but understanding that what they believe is that you understand how everything else flows from that, about how they engage with their customers. Who are they engaging with? They're not engaging with the executives. They're engaging with mid-level engineering because it's those people who they want to empower to change their world. And and so that that for me is is an anchor point on what OSIsoft is. What it, what it really is is this platform for democratizing analytics and democratizing not just any kind of analytics or any kind of data, but operational data in particular. That happens to be their niche. But you could see how taking the statement of belief, we believe people with data can change their world. Why are they limiting themselves to OT data? Why don't they take that belief and pivot? into other kinds of data and other applications. They're, they're all about data democratization at the end of the day, and they've picked this one little niche to play in. Mm-hmm. And it, it's somewhat limiting, right? With that vision, they could go much broader. And we might see that come out of the acquisition on, on whoever buys them. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we might want to be looking for is, do we see a company who's acquiring them who shares that belief and is looking to play that belief out more broadly? Yeah. One of the things that I that I feel like is a differentiator with OSIsoft as a company, you know, they uh, they also, you know, one one of the things that stuck with me about what Pat Kennedy said is uh, they're an infrastructure company, so they've always been uh, trying to just make that infrastructure as best as they can make it, right? And so they're not they're they're empowering everybody, but they're not doing all that extra. They're not trying to do the whole the whole problem. They're not trying to solve the whole problem. They're just trying to solve that infrastructure part. I should, shouldn't say just because it's, it's pretty significant, right? Um, and so they uh, so they they have a lot of experience as a company thinking about this because they've been around for for a long time, you know, whatever thirty years or more, um, and they they've really stuck to that that core competency. And they're they're. Um, so when we, you know, when I talk to people at OSIsoft, people that have been at the company for a while, for a long time, and they really understand this infrastructure type of thing, and they kind of understand all the nuances around it. They, you know, um, you know, as you know, right? When when people get into these these projects, these these operational data, time series data projects, collecting data from sensors, uh, if you haven't done one before. You're gonna learn a lot. So you, you and I could uh, we could probably talk for an hour about why operational technology is not information technology. Yeah. Right. OT does and, not equal IT. No. And, and the, the ramifications of that are huge. Yeah. And uh, you know, I I could tell stories, which I'm not gonna do because you're recording. But it's <laughs> it's the the ramifications are huge, and if yeah. you don't understand it, you can get yourself into a lot of trouble. And you can end up spending a lot of money rebuilding things that other people have already done. Yeah, and, um, and OSI, but, you know, and just real quick on that point, right? OSIsoft has they have that experience, and then all of us and the partners that have been working with them, we forged this path, right? We forged this way. We understand the problems. The technology may change around these problems, but the problems are not any different than they've been, right? Yep. So uh, I'll I'll give you an example of that that I, I was just talking to. Uh, a colleague of mine about earlier today. So uh, InfluxDB, right? Uh, uh-huh. Up and coming open source time series database, very performant, very scalable, right? 
um, does not have a time series weighted average function. And yeah. you just think about that. Like, what are you thinking? Like going into the time series space, you didn't think that maybe you might want a weighted average. Mm -hmm. What? Like, what are you going to do with the data? You're going to make everybody write their own weighted average function, but it's it's of course just an example. OS mm -hmm. is it, the one thing I've said. Oh, I've always said this since the day I was born. I came out of my <laughs> I came out into the world <laughs> saying this. OSIsoft is really good at listening to their customers and what their customers want to do with data. They're really, really good yeah. at that. And so they've been building all these functionalities into their product like time-weighted averages for, for 20 years, millions of developer hours in it. They're fantastic yeah. at it. Um, but uh, I, I want to go back to your comment about the Pi system as plumbing because I've, I've heard that a lot, uh -huh. and in particular from OSIsoft. And I think it's all a smokescreen because if you, if you go to <laughs> okay. Pi World, uh -huh. if you go to Pi World and you're, you're walking through the industry tracks and you're looking at the presentations, you will see presentations of somebody who gets up there and talks about the Pi system as plumbing. I, I, one of my favorites was uh, Yohan Krebert's keynote in, I want to say, 2016. I don't uh -huh. know if you remember this. Yohan Krebert's lead architect from Shell. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. Brilliant That's guy. Absolutely brilliant guy. He got, got up to give a keynote that you know, had the Pi system in it as plumbing. I think he mentioned Pi once during the entire presentation. The entire presentation was about his architecture. And of his architecture, Pi was one little tiny component. So there was one slide, a keynote presentation of Pi World, one little tiny slide on Pi. The rest, you, you should go look it up online if you haven't seen it. I was, I was almost cracking up to myself uh -huh. as I was watching it. But this <laughs> is what happens when you describe the Pi system as plumbing, is that you've yeah. relegated yourself to a commodity, right? Yeah. And you've lost track of what it is you believe. What do you believe? People with data can change their world. That's not plumbing, right? That's, no, that's yeah, democratization is, of data. Yeah. Plumbing is like a means to that, right? It's not, uh, but, it's, but it's not the same thing, right? Plumbing is important. Yeah but it's a commodity and it doesn't get you where you need to go. The most compelling presentations at Pi World has always been the case is a guy who gets up, a mid-level engineer who says, I built some stuff on the side, turns out it was really useful and it saved us $10 million. Yeah. And how many times have we heard that presentation yeah. from any number of just really smart engineers who got really passionate about using data to change the world? So yeah. I, anyway, so that that's why I take, um, I understand why people describe the Pi mm -hmm. system as plumbing. I've done it myself because you find yourself in a situation where you have to explain to an architect what the Pi system does. It's just, but when you're looking at Pi as um, holistically, when you really want to understand what OSIsoft is, the what is not what OSIsoft is. The why is what OSIsoft is. Yeah, I think that's that's an excellent point. Um, I think maybe the infrastructure card gets played a lot in a, in a I know like in one space where everybody always wants to hear that is uh, the partners. Um, the partners have built businesses around, uh, you know, value add, right? And they don't want, they don't want, uh, they don't want like what everybody thinks about Microsoft, right? Oh man, Microsoft just like, oh, we like what you did. So now we're going to do it and you're going to go out of business. So they're, everybody, <laughs> everybody's like always afraid, right? Unless I saw it's going to be like, oh, you know, seek, oh, we like what you did. So we're just going to do it ourselves. And then, you know, nobody's going to want to buy yours because we did, you know, because we'll just include it in our, you know, we'll include the you gotta browser, ask yourself, you know, <laughs> go so. back to, to the why of OSIsoft. Yeah. Ask yourself the, right. The why of OSIsoft, we believe people with data can change the world. Why haven't they built in seek? Why haven't they built element analytics? Right. Why? 
I, I mean, I understand there's only so much you can build at a time and your development team has capacity constraints and there's only so much you can fund back into your organization. But if that's what you believe, these are all critical components to get there. Yeah. Right. If you want to democratize data across um, your engineering and operations, a tool like Seek, where you've opened up self-service data science to somebody with a mechanical engineering background, it's fantastic. Right. A tool like Element Analytics, where you can create custom AF hierarchies and synchronize them and keep them up to date mm -hmm. um, uh, to, to support different use cases, support mm -hmm. different users in different contexts. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely critical. Right. You, you yeah. need those capabilities in your overall architecture. Um, and so uh, so if I were those guys, I'd be looking at OSI soft and asking myself, why? Why is OSI soft not built these before us or why are they not looking to come by us? Yeah. So so I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to throw a loaded question at you now, <laughs> kind of along these lines. So my favorite kind of question. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about um, OCS, OSI Soft Cloud Services, right? And, and what is it? What, what are people going to do with it? Um, what is what is OSI Soft trying to do here? And there hasn't been really, in my opinion, there hasn't been there hasn't been solid messaging around um, what OSI, OC, they'll say what OCS is right now, right? They'll say, okay, you can do these things with it. And it's kind of very function, functionally descriptive about what you could do with it. Platform as a service or a soft, software as a service managed by OSI soft. These are the benefits. Uh, and and uh, people that are uh, using Pi, they look at it and they go, okay, what am I gonna do with this? And And there hasn't been I don't think there's been a, a, a good narrative around how OSI, how OSI Soft views OCS, how, how it's going to fit into the picture near term and longer term. Do you have an opinion about, or maybe a, a, a not opinion about it, but maybe do you have like a desire or a view or something where, like, what would you wish would happen with OCS, you know, as it stands today? Where, where would you like to see it? go and become so here's here's what the world needs right now it, at least in our space in industrial iot what we we need right now is a capability to manage all the operational technology data at the tremendous scale coming at us today so i'll, I'll give you a couple of examples I, I worked on a um uh with a transmission distribution company um they were specking out their uh, sort of like grid of the future and what does it look like? Mm -hmm. And they're looking at these tremendous sources of data, things we've never even seen in uh, uh, in the IoT space up today. So they're looking at AMI, right? A so all their customers have these advanced meters. Each meter has 10 tags, maybe 15. Yeah, doesn't really a matter. AMI, just for maybe people that don't know what that might be, that would be the, uh, is it automated meter instruments or or... Which is let's just let's just call them smart yeah. meters. Smart meters. Anyway, it's like the stuff that if you're gonna if you're gonna outfit a city with 10, 10 million of these on every home to read every to read all the data. So it's a lot exactly. a lot of sensors. Yeah. So let's say I have ten million customers and I have ten tags per customer. Yeah. So I'm looking at a hundred million tags. Yeah. Right. So how much is a hundred million tags? Well, it's more than any one OSI soft customer has today, to the best of my knowledge. OSI soft might call me out on that. I've yeah. never heard of a customer. <laughs> I've worked with some very big companies, never heard of a customer with 100 million tags outside right. of this use case, right? Mm -hmm. Smart meters is one of them. Another one is distributed energy. What happens when everybody has solar panels? 
when everybody's plugging in their cars, right? When everybody has battery packs in their homes, uh-huh. right? How do you support that scale of data? So I, I spec'd out a Pi system for that. I was like, well, what oh, would wow. I do if I had 200 million tags? How uh-huh. would I manage that? And I need AF hierarchies that, I, that automatically synchronize with the master data, to, to, right? And how right. many elements can I have in AF? Yeah. Well, it's not 200 million, is it? Right. So how many different AF instances do I need? How many different Pi systems? It's a lot. And solving that problem today, there's no really good tool to go do that, which is Uh why AMI today, the entire industry is stuck in the meter to cash use case, right? Which was the initial use case to put out AMI meters. We're going to put them out. We don't need to do meter readings anymore. We'll tie them into the billing system and we're good. People are starting to use AMI meters to do operational use cases, but the, the whole thing was delayed by a decade because we don't have a scalable product that right. allows people with data to change the world. Going going back to the theme. So I, I got it, man. <laughs> so that's that's the promise of OCS, right? If we can do with uh-huh. OCS everything we do with the Pi system, but I no longer need to worry about standing up servers, right? I just want to push my data into the cloud, and then I want to use my data to come up with awesome insights. And that's all I want to think about it. So, you're thinking, wanna... so you're thinking scale, scaling, being able to scale to massive, uh, massive number of sensors or whatever is 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 a is the big thing. If there's going to be it, one thing you're going to pull out, right? That's it like is the... a big thing. Yeah. It is is perhaps the immediate big thing. But we uh-huh. look a- across the uh, trajectory of industrial Internet of Things out to the future, right? We today are in the space of we're going to do some amazing stuff for your business. We're going to reduce your maintenance expenses by twenty percent. And everybody's like, that's amazing. Millions of dollars of savings, right? <laughs> we're we're yeah. going to increase the production out of your wells, right? By yeah. 2%, right? We're going to reduce your downtime by a percent and a half. And th- these are really, really big numbers, right? And we've uh-huh. used these, uh, we've justified our entire careers off those kinds of projects, right? Really helping bring tremendous efficiencies into the industrial area. But it's not near the promise of the industrial Internet of Things. We are scratching the surface, and we are just we're just building the foundation of where we're going. The real promise is what happens when I've connected my supply chain end to end. What happens when I've rotated my entire business model so that it's customer centric? What does that even mean for an oil and gas company whose customer is a pipeline, uh-huh. right? And right, how do we connect that production of oil and gas all the way through the supply chain, the supply chain, uh-huh. to the plastic toys that I'm giving my my child uh-huh. for his birthday, right? When I, I don't know the answers to those questions. I know a lot of smart people have spent a lot of time thinking about those answer, the answers mm-hmm. to those questions. And everything we've seen so far about businesses that are starting to make this pivot has been really transformational. Everybody immediately goes to the Uber example to, right, to shift the mindset to as a service, right? right? Who knew that we could do cars as a service? Well, that's, that's exactly what Uber did. So yeah. is there a way we can do that in industry? And it turns out there is. So um, we're working with a number of customers right now on how do we take our traditional business model and shift it for a connected supply chain. That's the future of industrial IoT. Mm -hmm. Getting back to the original question, why is OCS important or why is that capability important in the cloud? It's because cloud is not just somebody else's computer. Cloud enables so many more things. Uh, by analogy, right? Mm-hmm. When I take my my Word documents and I store them in the cloud in my team site, 
well, that's nice, but all I've really done is use somebody else's computer to store my files, right? Right. Which is kind of marginally beneficial because now if my computer crashes, which literally my laptop is doing three times a day. <laughs> so far, right? it hasn't done it yet, so I'm knocking on some wood. So, <laughs> okay. Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, but if if my computer crashes, I lose my hard drive, I still got my files. Well, that's that's great, but what's my marginal benefit out of that? My right. marginal utility of that is pretty low, right? I could just save them on a flash drive. But the other thing it does and this is phenomenal, and it's transformed the way we work within Accenture in the last year, is that when I have my files in my team site, everybody on my team can work on the same document at the same time. The amount of time it takes us to turn around a proposal at Accenture, because we can bring all the SMEs and they can all work on the deck at the same time and immediately see what everybody else is doing. We can get on calls and see how people are editing it in real time. Uh -huh. like it's, it's an order of magnitude faster. And their thinking is an order of magnitude better. That's the kind of transformational change that comes from the cloud. So bringing it back to what we're actually talking about, right. what does that mean when all of a sudden all my time series data is in the cloud? I don't know. I really don't. I've been thinking about it a lot. But I think the potential for transformation is huge. Yeah, there's, it, it, you know, there's, there's things that it opens up. Like you said, um, you know, there's, there's these technical hurdles right now that we have that just limit what, what we can actually do, right? Like I've, I've gone through this working in technology my whole life. I've, I've imagined something and then I, and then I look at what, what's available and it's like, oh, I can't really do that yet. And then, and then, and then one day, like the technology's there and all of a sudden, oh, I can do this now. And so then it's actually like doable, right? Where before it would be like pretty much impossible. So I, I really see the, see this as the same type of situation where when you, uh, when you, when, when the systems start being built within the cloud, there's some fundamental capabilities that are created that just have not existed, right? Period. They, and 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 that's going to that's going to open up uh, possibilities that that you know things that we're going to be able to do. Like you said, we can't even imagine it because um, you know those capabilities never existed. And we've never really kind of like went down that route because it's like, well, you know, what do you mean everybody can share data everywhere in the world? You know, like uh, a good example of this is like Cosmos DB for uh, Azure, right? Cosmos DB kind of blew my mind when I first read about it. It's a global, globally distributed database. So if you put something, if and, and it costs money, so don't get it. It's not free. <laughs> it does <laughs> sound great when I say this, but just remember, you, there's a price. You think pie is expensive? Yeah, Ooh. but you can you can you can go into your Cosmos DB and you can configure it to say, I want to cover this part of the globe. Pick your continents. When you send a value to Cosmos DB, you send some data into Cosmos DB. That can be accessed anywhere in those areas that you've chosen with very little low with low latency immediately. So that is a capability that has not existed for very long. Um, if you if you ever if you ever got it and I, I know you have Zeb where you need to like get two uh, continents communicating with data, that's a that that's a tough problem. But now literally if 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 Cosmos DB was uh, in your solution you just go in you configure it and you're done you send data into the database and guess what it's 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 available wherever you need it available and they've even done you know they've even addressed things like uh, data governance you know things like that where the data is actually stored and things like that they've thought about that uh, but anyway that's that's an example of kind of like a capability 
And this is what I'm excited about when we're talking about OCS and we're talking about these other cloud technologies, but specifically with OSIsoft because they, they have such a deep experience with this. It's like, if they get this right, I mean, this could be just so awesome for people like us that are trying to do things. Yeah, I, I, somebody's gonna do it eventually. Uh, and the fact that it's taken so long, and, and honestly, I, I look at OSIsoft's role in industry right now. And OSIsoft has had this niche role for two decades mm-hmm. where they've, they've essentially had no competition. Yeah. Not really. Um, they'll, they'll be really happy to hear me say that perhaps. Maybe not the sex <laughs> part. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the innovation has stagnated a bit. And so we find ourselves in a situation now where it is critically important for the world to introduce AMI and distributed energy. Right. These are these are problems that are really important for us mm-hmm. to solve. It's not just about making somebody more profit. It's about how do we fend off climate change? Mm-hmm. Critically important. And we mm-hmm. don't have the tools to do it today. And part of the reason we don't is because OSIsoft monopolized this space and stopped innovating. And so we've we've seen individual examples of great innovation out of OSIsoft. I think OCS is is really fascinating. It's it's on the right track, but it's it's a decade behind where I'd like to see it. Um, so some, something has to step into this space. And I, I don't think I'm, I'm the only one who believes that. If you look at Microsoft and Amazon, they're both making huge bets into yeah. this space. They each have their own time series historian now on their cloud that solves the scalability problem, but it doesn't have near the understanding of OT data that, that OSIsoft has built up over the world. Mm-hmm. But it does have tremendous interoperability with the rest of their stack. Right, so it, you go back to Pi is plumbing, right? If if what you're trying to do is put together a holistic solution, and all you need is a database to put time series data, then you're just looking for the plumbing for that. Mm-hmm. And both both of those uh, both of those platforms have all the different pieces you need to put together a solution to solve the why that we're after. How, right? right? We believe people with data can change their world. Well, in yeah. order to do that, we need all this how. And, uh, and so I, I was talking to a client earlier today, actually, who was talking about why they made the decision to go to TSI. And the reason was, well, they'd already gone all in with Azure, and it was super easy then to go to TSI. So while it may not have been the best product on the market, the interoperability was really important. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've been doing a fair amount of research with TSI lately. Um, it's got my attention. Um, and and I'll be doing something similar with AWS, though I think they're a little bit a little bit further, uh, I don't know, if behind or wherever. But their 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 product is not as as uh, readily available as TSI is right now. TSI is, is definitely if if somebody's using Azure already, TSI um, is definitely an option that people are looking at. And so uh, I've already I've had discussions with that with with some of my um, you know customers too. And I've and I've been talking with Microsoft also about it to try to get an idea of where where they are and what their plans are and and you know I I don't I don't you know part of part of what I'm trying to do is just do a comparison on you know where these products are in the market and and that's kind of like my baseline I want to just understand technically what um, what's happening here but I think your your point is you know, where, where you look at the choices and why the choices are made with specific products, sometimes it's not necessarily the functionality of a product that, that is going to win, uh, cause, you know, be the reason why somebody picks something. It could be literally like, yeah, we're, we're AWS, we're, we're Azure. We're going to pick those unless there's like, 
it's, Unless, it's the yeah it's the ecosystem around it yeah and right it's so important and if, if you go back to the vision i talked about earlier for the future of industrial iot right we want a connected supply chains everything as a service it's all about ecosystem Mm -hmm. Right. The, this, those solutions to fit those space. It's all about interoperability and ecosystems and et cetera. OSIsoft has done a really good job building a small insular ecosystem around their product. They have right. That's fit their niche. They've not done a particularly good job in embracing the larger ecosystems out there and really integrating well with them. So, you know, you, you have products like the Pi integrator which begin to integrate them with some of these other ecosystems. But right. it, that's not where it needs to be yet. It's still way easier for me to put my data in TSI, and then it's it's way more accessible to the rest of my Azure stack than PyInnovator yeah. can make it. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where, you know, to tie into OCS, in my opinion, what I, you know, where I think OSIsoft could have, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, running OSI software or anything, but if I was, if I had a say, uh, you know, OSI soft has a, they have an ecosystem, right? They have customers. They've done really well. They have a, they do have a large install base and people just are not going to turn their price system off tomorrow. Um, you know, as much as they may desire to do it, they've been, I mean, these are, some of these systems are so big. It's like, okay, we're, so they're, they're asking a question. Okay. Where do we go next? How do we, what's the next step that we're going to take? to start go going into the cloud and start taking advantage of some of these things without dismantling and throwing away the Pi system that we have, because that's not really an option. Uh, so, so they're looking for a path, right? And, and, and OSIsoft's already in there. They have EA agreements and whatever. So if they could lay out like this, uh, this roadmap of what their, what, of how that could happen with their, and staying within their ecosystem, they kind of have an advantage, right? They, they they could have, if they if they said, okay, hey, we don't have these capabilities quite yet, we're working on them, but this is what we're doing. And this is how you can get to where you wanna be around these capabilities and this interop, interoperability between other systems, you know, showing that they're solving that problem, they're working on that problem and they understand it, you know, and, and, and kind of address some of these reasons why somebody's just gonna go, well, I'm picking T TSI because I, you know, because of interoperability type of things, you know, um, you know, they, and, 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 and there's no answer from OSIsoft on that front. So, so that's what I would like to see happen sooner than later, because I feel like there is a clock and it is ticking. Um, and I, and I, I love OSIsoft's products and I've, and I, you know, they have a soft spot in my heart. I have a soft spot in my heart for them, but at the same time, you know, there is a, a competition is great. And and the more options that we have, I think, I think in the end that's gonna that's gonna benefit all of us. So I'm not so much like oh one's gonna win and, and one's not. I feel like everybody's gonna win, but I want to see OSI Soft also win, right? Along these lines, I'd love to see their product be able to uh, you know there's a story around being able to get Pi to be into the cloud if somebody wants to stay with OSI Soft and stick with them. One one of the benefits of working in consulting like we do is that we don't have a dog in the fight. Right. Right. If if Pi wins or doesn't, no matter what the technology solution is, if so, if somebody right now have uh, you know wanted to go spin up a really exciting project with AWS TimeStream, I'm 100% there. I would mm -hmm. love to go work on that. Right. Mm -hmm. And because of the the experience I have, I have the background to go do it. So we we're pretty agnostic in the fight. That said, you know I I love Pi too. I love OSI Soft. I love right. the people there. It's it's hard to use the product and not fall in love with it a little bit. Yeah. 
but it's also true that if you get two Pi system integrators in a room, they're going to sit there and they're going to trade horror stories about like bugs in <laughs> new releases and things that didn't quite work and features that weren't quite what they needed, yeah. right? Things like that. And yeah. it's just part of the nature of what they do. So the the niche I see OSIsoft has right now, and I they're they're getting pushed from all directions. You have the the big cloud providers are coming in and they're del- delivering their their own solutions. Um, you have folks like uh, Emerson and Siemens who've traditionally been in the operational technology space, control systems and equipment. They're kind of pushing up from the bottom and making their control systems and equipment smarter and smarter every day. Um, but everybody is focused on delivering a use case or catering to a developer audience. And nobody's really focused on the problem that OSIsoft has always been focused on of democratizing data and analytics for in the OT space. And I haven't seen a vision for that out of Microsoft or AWS or Emerson's or Siemens, anybody, right? That mm-hmm. it seems to be the, the one area where Pi is still quite strong. And it's, and that's really critical. I mean, what, we made some allusions earlier to watching IT practitioners fail in the OT space because OT data is really, really hard to work with. Uh-huh. And, and part of that, right, part of the, the, the ramifications of that is that if you're trying to get value out of OT data, you need to be very well integrated with the engineers and the operators who work on the equipment and the processes every day. You need to be embedded with them to turn these solutions around. You can't just go collect requirements and then send it off to a development team for a two-week sprint. Like those guys have to be involved in the solution every single day. That's where it's successful. And so you need that democratized data and analytics to deliver any of these big use cases. Yep. So. Well, Zev, time flies. Uh, Yeah, we're probably about the end of our time, so we need to wrap up. Any, do you have any last thoughts before uh, we wrap up? Just make sure that uh, you get a chance to say something that you maybe you didn't, that you wanted to get off your chest or anything. Uh, I, I had no agenda walking into this, Lonnie. Okay, and I, okay. I've got to hit all my, uh, all my <laughs> high points. I'll just tell everybody to stay safe, stay sane during this pandemic. Uh, hopefully it's over sooner rather than later. If yeah. we're listening to a recording of this in 2025 and we're still struggling with it, it's... <laughs> Tough times, man. Um, yeah, but but in all seriousness, um, you know, we get passionate about this stuff and we get caught up in our works. I think it's important for everybody to just focus on being, as we say in Accenture, truly human, right? Focusing on time with your family, focusing on the things you're doing outside of work, um, and, and just focusing on your humanity in general. Right. And as you and I were talking about when we first got on the call, it's probably good for everybody to turn off the news now and then. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it can be fatiguing. Um, yeah, great, great points, Zev. Yeah, this has been this has been an awesome discussion with you. I really, really appreciate you coming on and uh, being being able to share uh, a little bit of what's going on up, up there in your great mind. So, uh, um, yeah, just uh, thanks again. Um, okay, everybody. Oh, oh, one other thing. If if somebody wants to get a hold of you, uh, is there you have any contact information you want to share? You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm okay. the only Zev Arnold there. Okay, Zev Arnold LinkedIn. If you if you want to reach out to Zev for for any reason. Um, so okay, everybody, that's it for today. I'm Lonnie Bowling, and I hope you join me again next time for the Time Lords podcast. <laughs>